I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Do you want to host this thing today? Sure. It'd be it'd be nice if you would take the reins. For yeah, you, you look like you're a little off. Episode one twenty one, maybe, could be, um, might be. What a weekend! What a weekend! Did you have a good I Father's Day. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What'd um, you do? I uh, coached uh, it is one twenty one son's hockey team in a uh, tournament. Actually, here in Buffalo. And, what was this uh, tournament for? It was just a, a spring hockey tournament called the Battle of Buffalo. And uh, how long has it been around? Is this a tournament put on? I'm going to sound like an asshole. Is this a tournament put on by parents so their kids can be on the ice year round? Like, is this what is happening here? Well, it's not that the parents are doing that, it's the organizers of these tournaments are doing that, yes. And um, the tournament is called the Battle of Buffalo, but uh, there was a long, long standing tournament here in Buffalo that was called the Naps over the years. I'm not sure if you ever heard about that tournament, but it's kind of uh, switched names and now called the Battle of Buffalo. And uh, they did a great job uh, hosting it. Um, and now, well, is that the last tournament for the summer? That's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, that's it that's, for my son. Anyway, I, I, I would uh, think that uh, others will continue on their path to uh, doing more. And uh, my philosophy is uh, more is not better. More is not better. Do parents not realize that it's doing more harm than good? Like, are you are you developing a hockey player or are you trying to develop a more well-rounded athlete when it comes to their activities physically? You know what I mean? Like, I know education's first, but we're talking yeah, sports here. I, listen, I mean, I'm going to I'll tell you this. I think it's I think it's. Uh, I think it's a very, very debatable topic. OK, a lot of these players, a lot of these kids, they're playing elite, elite level hockey. 
Um, a lot of these players, um, you know, are on top, top teams in the winter. Okay. Whether they play in Detroit, Chicago, you know, Boston, Pittsburgh. Um, but when spring comes around, they put all, they put super all-star teams together. Okay. And it's, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these families enjoy playing the highest level of hockey. I can understand that completely understand it. Um, I think, I think the majority of families or there's a lot of families out there that like the idea of, of their son or daughter playing with other players, other team meeting other new families. And it's enjoyable to go to these tournaments, meet new people from other teams across, you know, North America and, and, and playing these tournaments. Um, That's why they're doing it just to meet new people. I I mean, well, listen, I mean, you're, you're going to have a, you're going to have a motive um, for every parent and how they, and how they, you know, you know, try and try and continue to make their, their son or daughter better. I would, I would think that there's a lot of players, a lot of families that enjoy playing at the highest level that you can possibly play. Um, they put a tremendous, well, and I mean, okay. tremendous amount of money. But do you know, effort. for me, do you know what it is? Do you know what I, why I think that they, that these kids that are, yeah, they're really elite for their age group at this point in time. Some of them continue to be that way. Some of them phase out and other kids catch up. Yep. But the reason why, in my opinion, they do all these tournaments is fear of missing out fear of not being a part of it fear of being maybe forgotten if their son is getting glory at a certain point they want to make sure that they continue it becomes it becomes an addiction almost you know what i mean it's keeping up with the joneses is what it is and um there are many 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 families that um fear because they're you know, their young son at a very early age, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, had a tremendous amount of success on the ice, scored tremendous amount of goals. And now, you know, once you, once you hit a certain age, you know, once you start to hit 13, 14, 15, there are insane, insane changes in a, in a young, uh, man or woman's body. And, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, there's there's the ebbs and flows. Some kids are late bloomers physically, and they they have a harder time for a couple years. But uh, you know, there's there's the their early puberty kids. Like I mean, early, early, early that have mustaches at uh, twelve and thirteen, um, and they're gonna deal. They're gonna they're gonna have their glory days early. And once you hit 16, 17, those kids usually fizzle out because everyone's you know, caught up. Everyone's caught up and surpassed them, you know, physically. So it's, 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 there's, I know, I know this and I know your philosophy. I, I really do. I know your philosophy is, is very much, you know, if your son or daughter is going to play, play the game of hockey, you, there needs to be a transition to playing other sports, to train you know, mentally, um, the muscle, muscle memory, just becoming an, uh, an athlete and getting away from the rigors of the game of hockey, because it's a mental escape too. Yeah. like, 
I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, my, like for an example, my son, my son hasn't really come off the ice. We, we finished at the end of March this year with our junior Sabres hockey team. Right from basically the start of April, we had tryouts. And then from there, he's been on the ice a couple times a week, basically through April, May. And now we're into June. He's played in, my son's played in two tournaments, which I think is the right number, but there's been other, there's been other, um, that have played in seven, eight tournaments. They're, they're gone almost every weekend or every second weekend. And And they're going to tell you that their kid wants to do it. Oh, he wants to do it. Yeah. Well, well, that's, it's true. Maybe they do want to do it because the, the kids do love the game. But I think there's there's a benefit of stepping away from the game. And listen, I mean, my son's going to be going to a New York State camp in Oswego in, in a, a week and a half from now. I'll be dropping him off for a four-day camp. And uh, after that camp's over, he is done. He is done. And here's the, here's the, here's the interesting part about a PD. You, you alluded to, oh, the, the kid, you think the kids want, want to do it. Well, I told my son that we weren't going to bring his hockey equipment back to the cottage. Okay. We'll be back for there. We'll be there for two, three weeks. And it was a verbal battle because he does not want to be off the ice for that long. But I do believe that it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to just get away from the game. Here's the thing. You can go and train in other areas. He's, start, he's 14 now. He's starting to enjoy lifting weights with his older brother and, 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 and training and stuff. He can just be active doing other things and getting away from the game of hockey. There's so much hockey to be played. It's, it's time to take a step away. The game on Saturday night is Tampa Bay done for you. Right now, it just looks like, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but the speed in which Colorado plays, it, 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 it's, it's crazy that I'm even, this is even going to come out of my mouth, that it, it, it looks like Tampa Bay cannot play at the same level, the same speed that hey, well, here's Colorado what's, here's plays what's gonna, every single shift. Here's what's going to bother me when this series is over. And it could be over in a few days. What's going to happen is everyone's going to say, ah, Tampa Bay was tired. Duh, they played all these games. They had the bubble. They had the pandemic you season. You don't think they're tired? Uh, I, I think they're tired. I think they're tired, but I think that Colorado's, do- Colorado's dominance over them is going to be, um, you know, put aside due to Tampa Bay's fatigue. That's what's going to happen. When really it, it, the reality of it is, as you would say, Colorado is a way better hockey team. Period. They are a way better team with way less that's, way less of a goaltender. I don't so, think that's and the you're going to be the you're going to be the apologist for you know Tampa Bay and be like oh because you picked them and you're going to say oh well they're fatigued and they're exhausted. There's no, it's not I even. Think there's a I think there's not a even lot remotely more. close to the same to the same caliber of team. They're not. They're, that's that's absolutely not true. I mean, there is, um, I would, I, I, I don't want to use this as, as an excuse more than the oh, point I'm going to make here in a comes minute. The excuse. Okay. Well, it's not, it's not going to be an excuse, but it's going to be a point yeah, that no, I No, it would be a crutch. Go ahead. I, th- I do think that they are fatigued. I think that they've played two full seasons 
under tougher conditions um, with with the COVID situation. Um, I think wow, I think wow. they're tired, but where I think they're most tired is I believe that they are mentally fatigued. I think they're mentally fatigued. The hunger and the desire is is still there. These guys want to win. Kucherov, Point, Stamco, Sorelli, Kalorn, Hag, all these guys want to win the Stanley Cup. But when you're when you're Patrick Maroon that have won three Stanley Cups in a row, or Kucherov, Point, Stamco, Sorelli, all these guys have won two Stanley Cups in a row. Your deep down and desire to fight for something is is not the same as Colorado. Colorado has not tasted, has not felt what these other guys have felt. Okay. And they want to. They want to feel that. I think that uh, Kucherov's exhausted. Do you know how many games he's played over the last two seasons? 89, including all his playoff games. Woo. He's whipped. Go ahead. Sorry, that's one. That's right. one example. There's, you know, listen. I mean, you can sit here and we can debate this all day, but you're, we're trying to figure out why, why you know Victor Hedman and you know McDonough and Sergachev and Sirnek and guys like Bogosian, they just they look a little off. Um, Vasilevsky looks off. Okay, he, they just don't look like the normal Tampa Bay team and. When you sit there and you look at how many series in a row the Tampa Bay has played, they have played a tremendous amount of hockey. A long, long, long demanding season. None of these guys are getting younger. Victor Hedman, as much as he's had a, an incredible career, is getting up in age. And once you start hitting your in your 30s, you you are compounding minor injuries on top of minor injuries that start to become small issues. And we do not know what any one of these guys are dealing with. All I know is they look flat. They don't look like they have the emotion that it's going to take to win a Stanley cup. The other team, Colorado, they're fast. They look fresh. They look possessed. Like they have, they have a focus. That's it. And and it's not even to win a Stanley Cup. It's to win every single shift that they go out for. And, and what plays I love a huge about, factor. What's that? Hunger plays a huge factor. Huge I mean, factor. you've got these, you've got these, these guys on the fat, other side. You've got these fat guys that have just enjoyed the 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 fruits of winning Stanley Cups and drinking and champagne. being admired and loved. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, and then you have these other guys that are looking to stake their own claim in the league and in, in you know, cheesy, you want to be cheesy, in history. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, you win a Stanley Cup, it's historical. I don't, I don't care what you say. Your name is on the cup for a long, long time until that plate comes off, you know, and – it just, I think hunger plays a huge part of it. And you, there are so many examples in sports that you can use to, to, you know, in comparisons in terms of, you know, the, the young bucks, as you would, would call them, you know, or that young hungry, that long, young hungry lion that's looking for his first kill versus the, the old guy who's just kind of dragging around, like, you know, been there, done that. And, Maybe yep. it's time to pass the torch on. Who knows? But 
I guess I don't know. I don't want to use that as an as a as an excuse uh, for Tampa Bay, you know, getting shit faced, shit shit kicked out of them. Um, the last two games, well, the first game was closer, but I mean, it could have been a could have been just like the other night. Like I mean, so I don't want to use that as an excuse because I guess I would love to have seen these two teams play when it was like the the real clash of the tides. Do you think this is? Over? I do. Yeah, I, I, and I know it's it's easy to say all they got to do is win yeah. one at home and things are very different. But I just, I mean, I know Birakovsky's, you know, going to join the team in Tampa Bay. You know, he took a shot to the hand. I know Kadri's on the on the uh, outside looking in. I was going to ask if you thought that they should they insert him. him. That's what I was going to say. They do don't you need, need him. him. Why put him in there if, if nothing's broken? This but game's I, being won and lost with Rantanen, Langnescog, McKinnon. You got, uh, you know, look at um, uh, Valerie Natushkin. Unrestricted free agent. Uh, he is got what? Nine, nine goals? Eight goals? In the playoffs, like he he's playing a big uh, a big man's game. He's how skating they, well. You, how do they get him? They got him, I think, from uh, from uh, Dallas. He was a, he was he was a a top ten pick. Yeah, he might have been tenth overall. 2000, 2013. He he goes to he goes immediately. I think to to Dallas and plays his his first season which wasn't even that bad. Like, I mean, he had 14 goals and 34 points and was plus 20 as a rookie. This is, this is a guy who's 6'4", 215 pounds. He's a, he's, he's a rookie. He, he, 13 goals, 34 points in his rookie, rookie year. And then right from there, the next year, he only played eight games. I do not know what the heck happened there. Um, but uh, maybe that's when he went back to to Russia. Maybe I I, I don't even know uh, what happened. I think he went. I think he went back to Russia. Maybe. Um. Then the year after, he had uh, nine goals, twenty nine points. So he basically played out his rookie contract, and then after that, he didn't like what they were offering him. So he went back to to Russia. Went back to Russia and played for uh, in the KHL um, for for two years. He played over there. So when he was twenty one and twenty two, he played over in Russia. Obviously, probably got to play a lot more, play in all different situations. Continued to grow because he's still like very young. So for two years, he was there, and then came back to Dallas for one year. He had zero goals. 10 assists in 57 games and they, they traded him to Colorado. And then what did he do? When did he, when when did he start there? Um in 1920 season in 65 games he had 13 goals and 27 points plus 26 in 20 in 2020-21 55 games he had 10 goals 21 points plus 9 and his real breakout season is this year. So you have to be very, very weary of what kind of contract you're going to sign this guy to because we do not know what, what type of player he is, to be honest with you. In 62 games this year, he had 25 goals and 52 points plus 21. So and now in the playoffs, what's he got? What's he have? He, 
in 16 games played, he has eight goals and 13 points in 16 games. So he's playing, he's playing above, way above, um, you know, what and, he and normally this is, this is the prime example of where agents and teams should be on the same page as a one-year deal. Like he's going to go and, and some team's going to try to, you said he's a UFA. He's an unrestricted, he's 27 years old. He's an unrestricted free agent. And someone is going to walk in and, and pay him a lot of money. He just turned 27 in March. So you've got, you've got six really strong years with this, with this player moving forward. If you sign Valerie Natushkin to a six year deal, um, Right now, I don't even know how much he's making. I'll tell you in one second. He's making. I'm actually, yeah, I'm looking. I was trying. So to he signed. A, he signed a two-year deal for five million. So he was averaging two and a half million dollars. So if with what he's done right now, with what he has done, twenty-five goals and fifty-two points this year, and the playoffs that he has, he's he's still very young. He's still very young. Twenty-seven years old. What what kind of contract are you going to pay Natushkin? Like he's got to be in four and a half range. Six four. He's two hundred fifteen pounds. He's a big body. He skates well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over $5 million somewhere. Not sure. I'm not sure if he'll be anywhere near five because once you push yourself to a, he, he's a third, he's a third line left winger. Um, I'm going to tell you something, man. If I were him, if I were him, uh, I would, I mean, this is going to sound really stupid. I don't know if I, I really mean this, but I, I, I look back on, on careers, not mine, of course, mine was different. So to be in a, to, try to envision being in that situation. But I would, I, if I were advising this kid, I'd say sign a one-year deal. No way. Fuck. Why not? You are on drugs, man. Why not? Because he just had a 25-goal, 52-point season. You want him to go and play another year? He's 27 years old. There are 32 teams in the National Hockey League. Someone is going to pay this guy a six-year deal, and he is going to be making a lot of money. Uh, see, I do I not like, know if he's going to be in the five million dollar range. Just that's my thought. He's making two. He's making. He made two point eight million this year. Um, last year he made two two. 
if if you're in around the range of we go paying a guy for one year way to go yes way to go nikki and you, you know, know it's gonna you happen. Got, you're gonna get. We're gonna get you a six-year deal now. You only had your first-round pick didn't work out when you got here. You left and went to the KHL. Although you know, like, like, and I've always thought, and I'll stand by this: you, you sign and come here and play here and leave. You shouldn't be allowed to come back. Period. No, that's not true at all. Oh, you know, yeah, that kids. I think that kid just wasn't ready. Did it. Dadinoff did it. Um, there are other examples like Greg Arenko is a guy that could be used, you know, if he ever wanted to come back, well, obviously, uh, what's his you name? I think there? it was Col- right that Kate Thompson played for the Buffalo Sabres for a full season. And then the next year he got sent down to the minors. That was bullshit, right? What do you, what do you mean? That's, what, do you, that, what do you mean? What, what, what about Middlestat? What about Middlestat? He played a full year and then got sent down. Hey man, that's part of the gig over here. Oh, it's part of the gig over here. Well, maybe Dallas had the same had the same thought process. You are not ready to play over here at at the level that we want you to. We want you to go to the minors. Natushkin says, "No, I'm not going to the minors. If you want me to go to the minors, I'll go play over in 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 the KHL, and I'll and I'll get better over there for two years." So I don't have a problem with him going back home. I do. I've always thought that. I've always thought that players shouldn't. If you if you leave, shouldn't be able to come back. Simple as that. Because how much money does he go and get? Now, some of it has to do with money. Some of it doesn't. But at the end of the day, you know, like I, I remember playing with Kovalchuk, and I've told you this story before. We were sitting in the sauna in New Jersey, and we were asking him, like, how much money could you make playing in the KHL? Like he could, he could have been making more money in the KHL than he was making in the NHL. Now he, what people may not understand or realize about Ilya Kovalchuk is that he genuinely wanted to win. He was like, that's one thing that surprised me when I played with him was how much it meant to him to win a Stanley cup. When he came to Jersey, his focus was win a cup. Now we lost in the first round of the team that went to the finals, but, but we were, we were, you know, good enough to, to make a run. All right. So, you know, we made that deal right before the Olympic break. But one of the things that caught me off guard, and I you didn't think it because of, you know, you hear about the way he plays or you, you hear that he's a floater or whatever, and you play against him. And But he is the exact opposite of that. But my point is we were asking him, like, how much could you make in the KHL? And he was telling us that he the, the numbers that were being tossed around were so much more than what guys were getting paid here at the time. It was like Connor McDavid-type numbers. Okay. Yeah. And you know, then he signs that deal, then he leaves and then, then he comes back. And I, you know, I, I just thought that was, that was a little much. No, you sign a deal, you honor it. You, you make a decision to come here and play. You don't leave. Simple as that. Tootin, I don't feel any different. Okay, so you have uh, Valerie so, Natushkin. So if, that if, if, if Dallas was years. like, yes, go to the KHL, we grant you permission, which I don't know what NHL team would want that because they don't have their hands on them when they're over there. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you come here. I don't care if you're 18, 19, 20, and you sign your deal. You don't want to go to the minors and do what other players that are way better than you had to do? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you why. And, and you tell me if this is your son, you tell me what you would, you would want him to do. So you have uh, Valerie Natushkin. He finishes his first three years 
in um, the NHL. You know, solid, solid numbers to be, you know, he had 34 points in his first year as a rookie. Okay. At 18 years old at 19, he only played eight games. So he was obviously hurt. And his third year at age 20, he had 29 points in 79 games. So not, not, you know, it's not numbers that you would want for a top 10 NHL pick, but still he's very, he's still very young. So when they go to sign a contract with Valerie Natushkin, what do you think that they did? Um, which the second contract? Yes. Qualified him. Qualified him. And would he have a one-way deal? Uh, answer's no. Answer's no. Okay. Then okay. The no. So he doesn't, he's on a two-way deal. So if he goes to the minors, he's making how much? 70 grand, $70,000. We're not happy with you after three years playing in the NHL. We're going to send you to the minors and we want you on a one year. We want you on a one, uh, on a two-way deal. That's going to pay you a million in, in the NHL, but you're going to make $70,000 in the American Hockey League. Or Natushkin's agent goes, uh, no, because right now, Valerie Natushkin, I can get him $1.5 million playing in Russia in the KHL, maybe even $2 million. What are you going to do? Go go play for seventy grand in the minors? No, because the American Hockey League and the KHL are two somewhat of the same development leagues. There's a lot of great Russian hockey players that develop over in the KHL and then come over here when they're ready. Just like a Temi Panarin, just like guys like that, that have basically, you know, who's the other um, uh, uh, Minnesota or uh, Kirill Krill Krill. He didn't come over till a little bit later, um, honed his skills in Russia, and and now came over and took the league by storm, those two guys. So Valerie Natushkin, I don't have a problem with him going over and playing in Russia, making 10, 20 times what he would make over in the minors, because I'm not going to the minors. If I had my son and he's got to make a decision, I'm saying, no, he's not going to go to the minors. So he's going to leave because yep. he doesn't want to go to the minors and pay his dues like every other He's going to pay North his dues over in Russia kid or in- even other European kid that go and do that. Okay. Just because they, they don't want to lose their potential spot in the NHL because that is the dream league. He leaves, comes back and then takes a spot from somebody else who's been paying their dues. So no, he was better than them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But he just like, just like leave. Valerie Natushkin lost his yeah. position to somebody else that was better than him. So instead of going to a developmental league in the American Hockey League, that's not the only developmental league in the world. The, have you ever, Finland, the Elite League is unbelievable. Swedish Elite League is unbelievable. The German League, the Czech, the Swiss, these leagues are all very, very, very good. Well, and then you should stay over there until you're ready. And then if you're not ready, or, or if you come here too young and you're not ready and you leave, too bad. Uh, sorry, but I mean, you should get one kick at the can. Well, hence and, he got traded. And see you later. Well, he got traded. Now he's he's two wins away from, you know, being a Stanley Cup champion and not just being a Stanley Cup champion, being a 
key piece in the regular season and in the postseason. Well, it, it's the so, perfect example of a kid who just came to the league way too quick. Yeah, well, that's Dallas the problem. Game period. That's that's the problem with the NHL to begin with, right now. I mean, if you, I don't want to necessarily go down that path, but that's the problem with the league. It all started back when teams were trying to be frugal with their money, and instead of paying a twenty-seven-year-old one point eight million or two point two million, they were paying these first-round, second-round picks. 750 800 grand so it's cheap labor and because you're not expecting much from them and it's just it, it and it all of a sudden you started seeing a wave of young players and then you see the these young players fizzle out these unbelievably talented players who just were rushed and they don't make it or they don't develop properly because because some team had had a, a, a an idea of cheap labor. That's and, and listen, the, I mean, there's there's guys making you know nine, ten, eleven. One guy's making twelve and a half million dollars. Okay, it's eating up a tremendous amount of the cap. So in order to offset those things, you have to, you can't go and get a twenty nine, thirty two year old veteran player that you're going to have to pay him $2 million, you know, 2.5. You're going to go and get a, 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 you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old kid. That's still on a, well, maybe not anymore. And maybe teams are starting to see this and players are starting. You can get guys extending their NHL lives on $800,000 contracts at ages 35, 36, 37, playing in the roles that those 19, 20, 21 year old kids would be playing in. And instead of them doing it in the NHL, they can do it in the minors or back in junior and continue to develop and, and grow not just their bodies, their minds, but their talent. What did Bob Good now like, say back in the day? What was his know, terminology you, when it came? I was to too young to understand it, but you've brought it up. Stars now. over Kansas. And he said, if you have a salary cap, it's going to be stars over Kansas. In the league at the time, before the salary cap, we had a very large middle tier group of players that all got paid very well. You had your elite guys in the league that got paid good money, but there was a very large group in the middle. And then you had your, you know, your um, uh, league minimum type players that were making, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. And Bob Goodnell back in the day told us, he said, listen, if you, if you sign a salary cap, what's going to happen over time is you're going to have stars over Kansas, meaning you're going to have your elite top end players are going to take the most of the cap. They're going to take all the money and there's going to be no middle tier. And you're going to have a whole bunch of guys at the bottom that are making, you know, you know, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars into, you know, a million, five, two million, which listen, I mean, people right now are sitting there going, well, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. But it's the way that the cap is set up. You know, you you just look at even in Tampa Bay, their top end players, Kucherov, nine and a half, Braden Point, nine and a half, Steve Stamkos, eight and a half. You have Victor Hedman makes making eight. You have Vasilevsky making nine and a half. You have a whole bunch of guys under that that are making, 
Hagels, 1.5. Colton, 1.1. Belmar, 1. Corey Perry, 1. Patrick Maroon, 1. All these guys under them are all making... I don't want to use this word peanuts, but they're getting paid significantly less money. It's stars over Kansas. It's exactly what's going to happen. Colorado, you look at their team and their makeup. Rantanen's making 9.25. You have Langescott making seven. Nate McKinnon has one more year on his deal at 6.3. How much do you think he's going to make? Are you asking me? Yep. Just give me a number what you think he's going to make. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask uh, you two questions. How much does he deserve and how much do you think he'll take? They're two questions. Okay. Well, I, I believe statistically his stats aren't going to support it, although they're close, but they're not going to support it. After watching him in the playoffs and over the last couple of years, I believe he's the best player in the world. Okay. 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 Arguable. Uh, arguable. Very, so I'm blue in the face. Can argue that. I mean, it's, but he's a top. He's a top three player in in the world right now with Austin Matthews, a, Connor McDavid, and McKinnon. I think he's more. I think he's. I think those. The. I, I think it's amazing. McKinnon of the three of them might have the the lowest stats. Lowest. I mean, he's right there. But yeah, I think he's the best player. Okay. So, so let's just let's just much, put him like he. Should how much be, does he deserve? Twelve. Twelve. Good. Done. Let's not even let's not even debate past that whether he's going to make more than Connor McDavid or twelve. He deserves. He, 12. he could make thirteen five. Connor McDavid signed that twelve million dollar deal a year. He signed that how many years ago? Three. Well, four maybe four. Now the league is starting to come back. Gary Bettman just the other day said that the league's uh, league wide revenue is going to hit over five billion dollars. So the league is starting to come back from the the pandemic and everything else. Still a um, few years away from it adjusting yes. the way it used to, going yes. up five million or whatever the way it yeah. used to, but a million this year, probably a million next year, but a few years away exactly. from normal. Uh, we got Nate jump. McKinnon, who, you know, rightfully so, because, you know, he's making $6.3 million right now. He's been making that for how many years? Six years. And the funny thing is he's, he's grossly, and I mean grossly underpaid when it comes to the stars in this league. He should be making double, almost double what he's making now. And on his next contract, I know he loves Colorado. It is, Colorado has the most sun, I think, in the United States, if I, right? I the most know. sunny days in North America, I think Colorado has. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. It, you know, it's a team that has been his team for a number of years. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's probably going to be in a situation if he does win the Stanley Cup this year, he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be saying, I want to get paid. I want to get paid. I deserve to get paid. I, I deserve to be in the same class as Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And yes, you want me to take a home down discount, but those guys didn't. I've won my Stanley Cup. I've done everything I've had to do to help this team win. Oh, whoa, whoa. He's won his Stanley Cup? He's, you're what? Yeah, I mean, are you saying it's over? Sorry to cut you off in the middle of a rant, but 
You make it sound like the I'm 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 giving you the hypothetical. Well, what if he doesn't win? What? Okay, so does well, the then it it creates does, it is creates the conversation it. different then if they yes. blow this to go two game lead? Okay, well, what's the conversation then? The conversation is is uh, he probably will not negotiate this summer. He'll probably play out his six point three million dollars. That's what so I. Do you think, think Nate do. McKinnon wants to negotiate it as a cup champ versus? Yes, if he negotiates, he would be a cup negotiates chump right if now, he lost this though, up to nothing. Yeah, if he if he wins the Stanley Cup, and he has one year left on his deal for the 2022-23 season, I believe that he is going to go in. He is going to negotiate with the team, and he's going to tell them, "This is my number," and you're either going to pay it, or I will be moving on after next year. And there's going to be a boatload, and I mean a boatload of teams that will line up for Nate McKinnon, even at even at eleven, twelve million dollars. Be very interesting to see. I kind of want to see it play out that way, just to see. You know, there's it's it because like I have no skin in the game, so it, I mean, for me, it's it's more exciting to, for the conversation of. Could you imagine if? He hits free agency because I want to see what somebody would pay him. But at the same time, I don't want to see him. I don't think he turns his back on Joe Sackick. Come on. I mean, that's Joe Sackick. There's no way. You know, I, I don't. Does he? He'll get an eight-year deal because he'll be 27, but he'll be 28, 28 when the deal. Actually, that's what I was looking up. Uh, is when He'll his, get an eight-year deal for $88 million. So he'll be 27 September 1st. He'll be 28 when next season starts. 88 so million. He'll be 27 when this season starts, 28 um, when his UFA contract kicks in. So he's so eight year deal takes him to 36. You know, which is which is still not which is still not egregiously old for how he skates and how he moves as a player. Well, he plays a hard game, so I don't I don't know. I mean, he, he plays a hard game. I mean, I don't know. 36, man, I don't like these eight-year deals anymore. I, I'm, I, I don't like them one well, bit. Listen, I mean, if, if you're Joe Sackick, just answer this question. If you're Joe Sackick and you're in a situation where they do win the Stanley Cup and Nate McKinnon's uh, agent makes the phone call to Joe, you know, End of end of July, where things have calmed down a little bit, and the parties are starting to subside, and this and that. And he says, "Listen, Nate's got one more year at six point three. Do you guys want to extend him?" And Joe's like, "Yes, absolutely. I think that would be a great idea." Okay, here's the number, and we're not negotiating over it. It's going to be eleven million dollars. We're going to give you a pay cut. We're going to give you a pay cut, Joe. At $11 million a year. And if you want this, then you sign it now. And if not, Nate McKinnon is going to play out the 2022-23 season. And we will go to unrestricted free agency and, and go to the market and at least see what is out there. Do you want, do you think Joe Sackick wants to lose that? I don't think he does. Absolutely not. But at least you know. At least you know after the weekend that the contract is tradable if structured properly. Because you look at Shea Weber's deal got dealt, so yes, you never have to worry about these contracts and no one taking them on. 
you know, if he, if he ends there's up always going to be teams yeah. that need to take on salary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just like, just like the Buffalo Sabres taking on Ben Bishop's uh, contract who will never play a game ever again because of his knees. Um, but taking on a contract and helping them get to the cap floor. And there's always going to be teams in the league that, that need to do that. So what did you think when you saw Weber's contract get moved for Dadanoff? I mean, Dadanoff got traded last year at the deadline, and then the deal gets squashed. Then he goes and has a great finish. They miss yeah. the playoffs, and he gets moved for Shea Weber's deal. Well, this is this is. I think it's a good move for 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 um, Montreal. I think it's a good move for both. To be honest with you, you know. Right now, Vegas Vegas Golden Knights needs to lower their salary cap. Okay, they didn't want Dannenoff to begin with. That's why they traded him at the deadline and and screwed that up. But they got rid of a five million dollar a year contract, which they need to get off their books. Okay, and they're going to take on you know Shea Weber's contract, but he's going to go on long iron long term IR and he he won't even touch the book so it's not gonna well not the, gonna ca- matter. the cap hit for them is seven whatever his cap it is seven eight five seven point eight five but he's only it's only six million in cash like it's three million this year because it's four years so that's three yeah. million this year and then a million a million a million so it's yeah it's six million dollars in actual money that Vegas is going to be paying out so but like you said they're getting five million dollars off their cap in Dananoff and taking on Shea Weber's contract that won't count towards the cap, which will be long-term IR at seven, eight, five, which helps them, which, yeah. you know, helps them because we know what kind of cap hell that they are in going into last season, obviously off with the Eichel trade and then patch ready. I mean, I can't believe they were even able to pull all that shit off, to be honest with you. I, I can't believe it. You know, the way they maneuvered that and manipulated that and, uh, you know what? They got to do something about that because the Tampa Bay Lightning, eighteen million over the cup, it or over the cap, it's all the same shit, man. It's all just circumvention, and teams have figured it out. and And the yeah. teams with the money, they still figure out a way to do it. You know yeah. who I would be going after right now? Where? I would be looking to trade. Pick the team. Tell me the team. Colorado. McDermott. Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri, they need a second line center. Second line center is probably going to play with uh, Jonathan Marchezzo. Uh, you know that Chandler Stevenson had an unbelievable year. He's another great player. They have some great players in in uh, in in Vegas, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this team because uh, they need to sign some players. You know, I, I, I do think that uh, Alex Martinez on defense, I think that they're going to try and move him as, as much as they can. Um, he's a salary that they need to knock off the books. And I, I, I believe that they're going to go after a guy like Nazem Kadri. You know, I, you know, there's something I, I was avoid. I was going to avoid talking about, but I, I may as well bring it up. Like we've, cause we've talked about it before. There's, uh, we talked about it a, a few weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago, um, making up like a wish list or whatever. But Ryan Whitney was mentioning on Spitting Chicklets about Patrick Kane. He's convinced Patrick Kane will be a Buffalo Saber. So now all these people out there are coming up with wish list Patrick Kane trades. Well, let me tell you what, what I've been told. 
that if the Sabres were going to make a play on Patrick Kane, why would you do it this year? You don't. Why, do, don't, why don't you, I just counter and say why? Why not? Are you be, saying because that you would next rather... year he he plays out his unrestricted, he plays out his final year of a ten point five million dollar deal, and then he's a UFA. Yeah. Then you can go after him that way and not give up any assets. Because why are you going to bring Patrick Kane here? Any the, the goal is not to make the playoffs this year. I'm not saying that it's not the goal to make the playoffs. But the goal isn't to go out and say, this is our year to make the playoffs. No, this is your year to see what Tage Thompson is, what Casey Middlestad is, what Dylan Cousin is, um, you know, Owen Powers is going to be, Peyton Krebs, you know, Paterka, Quinn. This is another development year, but it's like that next step year for these young guys. It's the year after that, that you go and you bring in Patrick Kane and maybe on a hometown discount or maybe not on a $10.5 million contract. That's why. And that's the year that Kyle Oposo's deal expires. So if he comes back, it won't be on a $6 million deal. Right. So there's, there's a lot that uh, there's a lot that happens in one more year. So that's kind of, yeah. to where I stand on that. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I think you, you make a really, really good point. You know, Patrick Kane's, He's got one more year left at ten ten and a half million dollars. And why give up all these assets? Why give up, you know, first rounder and and elite, you know, draft? You need those first and, rounders when Kane leaves in four years. Yeah. Yeah. That listen, I mean, I like I like your thinking. There's no question. I like your thinking. Uh, why why give up all of that, you know? And I'm not arsenal. gonna say that it's not realistic. I mean, he's already done everything. He's already a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's going to come to Buffalo. I don't know if he's going to come to Buffalo. You know, if you're 34 years old, Patrick Kane's 34 years old. He has had, I mean, man, has he had an awesome career. He's got three Stanley Cups. He's going to be turning 34 in November. First overall pick in the uh, 2007 entry draft. You look at his statistics. The guy's an absolute stud. 1,107 games. He has 1,180 points. You know, he's, uh, he's really done it all. And, you know, the concerning thing with, with him is the last four years he's played, he's only made the playoffs once. And... I don't think he's going to be making the playoffs next year. I think that um, I think that uh, Chicago will look to use him at the deadline or at some point in time to trade him to a a, a team that is trying to win the Stanley Cup again and get a boatload of draft picks and and uh, and players. So, but it's it's you know. It's interesting. It's interesting to to think, you know, is it, would Patrick Kane even want to come? Yes, 100%. Really? You think so? I think so. I think Kevin Adams could convince him. If there's, I really do. I think they were together in Chicago and in one of his rookie years, one of his first couple years, 100%. I think he could convince him. I think. Well, here's the problem. You know, it's very clear that, Patrick Kane's, you know, level of play has gone downhill. You know, he only had 92 points last year. 
and 26 goals in 78 games. So I don't know. Do we really want a player like that in our lineup? <laughs> the guy's a freak, man. The guy is an absolute freak. 92 points on a shitty team in Look Chicago. The year before that, he had 66 points in uh, 56 games. I mean, 84 points in 70 games, 110 points in 81 games. This guy is an absolute, like, he plays like he's 22. Yeah. He plays like he's 22 years old. He's just flying around. Like, I mean, the guy's barely been hit in his career. So his body feels like he probably is 22. Um, He's just such an intelligent player. He's just such an intelligent player. I just, I couldn't even imagine, you know, a player like, Patrick Kane and his ability to move the puck and feeding guys like Tage Thompson with his shot, Jeff Skinner with his goal scoring abilities. I just, I mean, I don't even like, I don't even like those are, these are trades. These are trade scenarios that I don't even like to think about because I mean, just to have Patrick Kane in a Buffalo Sabres uniform, he's a Buffalo kid south town kid and i just i mean that could you imagine the fan base the frenzy i could i could imagine it and i can actually i could see it i could definitely see it i i could definitely see it i would want i would feel like he would want to go out the right way in buffalo i really do the right way well maybe the right way is to stay in in chicago Maybe he just retires. Who knows? That would be pretty unbelievable. This guy's got this guy's got seven more years left in him. He had ninety-two points this year. He had ninety-two points this year. He is not slowing down. He's not slowing down. It's just he's getting better. He's getting better. He's Benjamin Button or whatever that. uh, What happens tonight? Game three. Does Tampa win it at home? I think it's going to be a closer game. I think Tampa Bay is going to tighten things up. Um, Tampa Bay will have last change. So they're really going to do a job of trying to get the, um, the line combinations to match Colorado. And that's going to be very important. In the playoffs, you know how important that is. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I don't think they're out of I don't think that this this series over. This series is is ultimately going to play out in this one game. Because if Colorado wins, the series is 100% over. Done. Done. And if Tampa Bay wins and it's emotional and they play with you know that that spark in their game this uh this could be um this could be a change because i don't i don't i don't think that tampa bay is out out yet i don't yes they got beat seven nothing they got pretty much embarrassed and dominated in every aspect but i think tampa bay is a very veteran hockey team and i think that they were going to uh they're going to come out and they're going to play a their best hockey and if they lose tonight Everybody knows. The players in the dressing room know. The coaching staff knows. They all know that the series is over. 
The series is over, and we are over. It's great chatting with you today. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.